Well, welcome everybody. It's Kevin Stevenson and you're with me on I Don't Care on Market Scale Radio. Uh, we're excited to be with you this morning or whatever time you choose to download and, and watch this. Today's guest is Carol McCall. Carol is the Chief Health Analytics Officer at CloseLoop.ai. Carol, welcome to I Don't Care. Well, thanks for having me, Kevin. This is I'm really looking forward to our conversation today. Yeah, me too. Uh, as I was just telling you, AI is not one of my strengths, and so I'm really looking forward to learning a lot from you, and I'm sure the uh, my uh, audience will feel the same. So, so tell us a little bit about CloseLoop.ai and what you do for healthcare providers. All right, very good. So uh, to start off with, uh, CloseLoop, we are healthcare's data science platform. And so what we do is we make it easy and affordable for healthcare organizations to use AI to improve outcomes and reduce costs. Um, the company and the platform, it's, this is something that's purpose-built, and so it's dedicated to healthcare and to life science companies. And what we've done is we've combined a very intuitive end-to-end -end machine learning platform with a really comprehensive library of healthcare-specific features and model templates. Okay, interesting. So, so Carol, tell me a little bit about how AI can be used to predict health outcomes and target resources and really just improve all overall patient health. Sure. Um, well, it might be helpful to, to talk a little bit about how our platform is used. So okay. um, to start with, uh, we like to think of our platform as having kind of two main pillars of technology. And so um, at one end, you've got organizations that have a lot of data scientists, they have a lot of analysts, and sometimes they actually even have more than closed loop does. And so they really use the platform as a, a very robust workbench. And it helps them build models, you know, better, faster, cheaper. And it takes them all the way through the process of onboarding data, getting it all cleaned up, getting it normalized, building what we call a lot of different features, which is just a, a data scientist fancy term for different measures or variables that you think might be useful to make a prediction. Mm -hmm. And then you actually build the model. And then once you have something that you want to actually use, you, we also, the platform will handle all the deployment. And so that's one pillar. Okay. Um, another way that companies work with us is that they may not have any data scientists at all. And what they have, it could be a clinic, it could be mm -hmm. a, you know, a hospital. And they basically say, look, I have data and I have patients and I have a need to actually try to deliver better outcomes. Can you help me? And so we will use the platform. We'll take their data and our data scientists and kind of use it on their behalf um, and identify a model that would be useful given their patient population. And then we'll go through the same steps with them. And then the results of the model are deployed actually into their clinical workflows. Okay. Right, so an example of something that someone might use is, would be, let's say that they're trying to predict, say, unplanned hospital admissions, right? And so they wanna know in their patient population, is there somebody, you know, when you plan to go to the hospital, that's fine, but mm -hmm. nobody wants to go if they really weren't planning to be there, right? And there are things that, that a physician or a clinical team can do if they know in advance uh, to anticipate that, they can reach out to those patients and work mm -hmm. with them to reduce the likelihood that that's going to happen. Okay. Right. Okay. Interesting. So uh, I heard your company was the winner of the CMS AI Outcomes Challenge. Number one, congratulations. 
Thank you very much. Number two, what is that? <laughs> so um, actually about two years ago, CMS announced uh, the goal of, of thinking of launching kind of like the X Prize. So it's the largest ever, mm -hmm. you know, kind of AI challenge in healthcare. And, and what they were trying to do was to encourage companies like ourselves, there are about 300 plus entrants um, that, that showed initial interest to build models that could predict unplanned hospital admissions, skilled nursing facility admissions and adverse events. Okay. And, and they said basically come one, come all. And they were trying to really showcase the ability of AI to do those things. But the other goal that they had was they wanted to have companies build what they call explainable AI. AI that physicians could trust, in other words, because they believed that they wanted to show that AI could be used to, to help physicians focus more time with their patients and focus on the things that actually needed their attention. Okay. So, so tell me a little bit about you know, your application process, what all went into that. Right. So um, it's interesting when, I, when you talk with the founders, uh, Andrew and, and Andrew I and, and Dave DiCaprio, and they, they will tell you that from the moment that that thing was announced, they started getting emails from folks saying, hey, you guys really need to enter this. You know, it sounds exactly like what you do. And so from, from the get-go, these guys were, were kind of in it to win it. Um, it was actually kind of a drawn out challenge. There were three distinct stages. So there initially there were about 300 companies that you know, raised their hand. Mm -hmm. And in the first stage, you basically submitted a proposal and said, here's what we would intend to do. CMS winnowed that down to 25 different companies and some of the biggest names you know, in healthcare. So you had the IBMs in the world and you had Deloitte you know, um, and everybody kind of competing and actually creating models and submitting those. Hmm. The next stage was then winnowed down to seven. And then at the final stage, at the end of April, we were announced the winner. Wow. So, yeah. Again, congratulations. So right. may I ask what you won? <laughs> well, actually we, um, uh, we won a lot of attention, which is great. That's always I, good. Publicity yeah. is good. Spell my name right. Right. We also, uh, the, the, the grand prize was a million dollars. Oh, yeah. well, okay. But that also comes in handy. But I think, you know, I think some of the bigger opportunities from the challenge, and I think CMS was, look, they're CMS, right? Mm -hmm. And so the things that they do, and everybody in the health system pays attention to what they're doing. And, and they're on their own mission to try to transform healthcare from, you know, a volume-based system to a value-based system. Mm -hmm. and, and so I really applaud their efforts to, um, to try to showcase the opportunity to use AI you know, and AI-enabled systems and solutions to try to accelerate that process. And, um, and so it was, I think they succeeded when, when they set out to do those things. Okay, very good. Yeah, you bring up value-based uh, care. You know, that was my previous life was, was involved with an ACO uh, in uh, North Texas. And so I spent a lot of time around value-based care. So, so let's talk a little bit about, you know, how, how AI and what, what your company does, how does that help um, you know, push value-based care forward? Okay. Um, yeah, I think, you know, for, from our perspective, um, it, using AI, whether, and you can use it in a variety of ways, and we'll come back to that, it, it's really gonna become the table stakes 
Mm -hmm. um, you know, data and analytics are increasingly become, you know, kind of the, the, the center of healthcare. Um, and the way that, that, that we are using it, it let's take a, a clinical excellence example. Mm -hmm. um, if people want to succeed in value-based care, they really have to have the ability to produce better outcomes with a, a much higher degree of precision, right? They have to be able right. to anticipate, you know, when something bad might happen so that, because you can't, you can't prevent what you can't predict, mm -hmm. right? Exactly. Right. If they're trying to prevent a bad outcome, they need to be able to predict those outcomes with a very high degree of precision, you know, and with enough lead time so that they can, you know, kind of turn their care teams and, and some of their clinical efforts to, to actually intervene to, to mitigate that. Mm -hmm. Right. And okay. so, you know, what our platform does is that different organizations, whether you are a hospital or a clinic or, or a payer, you know, their populations are different. And so they come to us, I had mentioned earlier that we have these model templates and, and what these templates are, they are um, kind of use cases that we see get presented from different, different types of clinics and, and HCOs. Everybody's coming with kind of a different need. Mm -hmm. And so what we do is we give them the ability to model the very precise outcomes that they want to model for their patient populations, right? Okay. So they don't, it's not a one size fits all world. Sure. Wow. Okay. The light bulb just went on. I know what AI is. I've been using it forever. You just called it a different name. So, okay, I'm good now. Uh, I feel better about myself. Thanks for, thanks, Carol. I appreciate you for doing that. Um, there, you, I've got a couple of, uh, of your use cases, a couple of specific ones. I'd love to hear about them. If you can talk about them, uh, the medical home network, and then also health first. Okay, for sure. So, with uh, Medical Home Network, they were one of our first customers and they're the largest uh, Medicaid ACO and they're in uh, Chicago. Okay. And, and when we started working with them, they had done really some elegant work to design a, a proprietary health risk appraisal. And the reason that they wanted uh, one that was different than what other people used was because of their population was different. And they deal with a lot of patients that have a lot of uh, social risks and face a lot of what right, the industry might call social determinants of health issues. Mm -hmm. And and so they wanted uh, an HRA that was specifically designed to assess some of those specific risks. And so they were using it to great effect. It was really one of the first things that they would do when somebody became a patient was that they would, uh, you know, kind of administer this HRA. But what they couldn't do um, was that HRA by itself wasn't able to be integrated with some of the other data that they had. So they had claims data with diagnoses and procedures and medications. Mm -hmm. And what they wanted to be able to do was to find a way to integrate those and gain even more predictive power. And so that's when we started working with them and, and we were able to show them just the math alone using just the HRA scores, they gained a certain amount of precision. And then once we added, started layering in their other sources of data, their ability to be precise and their predictions just continue mm -hmm. to climb. Okay. So, yeah. Okay. Interesting. What about Health First? Yeah, Health First is um, they're fascinating. They are that example I gave of the the really mature organization with a lot of data scientists. That's mm -hmm. them. Okay. So they actually have more data scientists on board than we do, and um, and so they use our platform as a workbench. And so they, they've got their data scientists building 
I think they are upwards of, of maybe 30 different models that they actually have. Um, they've built hundreds, but they've actually deployed probably 30 of them. Hmm. And they address all manner of different uh, clinical conditions, but they also use them in their own operations. For example, let's say a payer wants to know a member that may be getting ready to terminate and you know, kind of uh, kind of decline, eliminate coverage or move somewhere else. They wanna know that in advance. And so they may use that to kind of outreach to them and, and try mm -hmm. to keep them as a, as a loyal member. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. Well, you know, now that now that you're talking about some of the things you're that you're doing, we actually utilize a lot of this in our organization, you know, particularly around associate retention. You know, we're trying to predict who who might actually leave our organization. And so whenever I do my quarterly check-ins, oftentimes I'll put a rating on there, you know, is this person, you know, where where they fall on the scale of of possibly leaving the organization. And then that trigger, uh, triggers then uh, information for me and, and maybe, uh, you know, maybe some trainings to be able to go to that person specifically uh, to discuss with them, you know, maybe issues or, or whatever. So, you know, that's right. just one area. But then, you know, again, going back to my old ACO world a few years ago, we were always working with our, with our physicians individually to figure out, okay, which ones of your members uh, might fall off, fall out of this metric. And so we obviously didn't have the, the level of, of uh, specificity uh, right. that you guys provide. But, you know, myself and my team, we were oftentimes we were having to do that in our head. We just right. didn't have that level, uh, that level of data. Uh, and so, so I think this certainly would make, would make ACOs and certainly providers uh, much more cognizant of, of any potential changes. So. Right. So I think you bring up a good point, which is that, you know, the idea, it's something that people have been doing for a long time. Um, and I think that that should make adopting it easier. Mm -hmm. I think what's changed, there are a couple things that have changed. And, and one of them is just all the data. I mean, it literally, there's so much of it, it's become kind of too big to know. Mm -hmm. And, and so you, you, it, the great thing about machine learning is that it actually works. Right, it's it's really kind of amazing the things that 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 it can surface, and so with with you know healthcare is finally becoming a big data industry, and with all of the data that's being generated, it literally would be very difficult to compete, you know, um, without using technologies that allow you mm -hmm. to kind of harvest you know all of the data. Otherwise, it's just it just becomes a burden, and yeah. and AI can help you know kind of go from burden to bonanza. The, the other thing that, and this was a real breakthrough in some of our recent work coming out of, of the CMS challenges, it's not just the ability to predict. You know, again, one of the goals that CMS had was to create what we call explainable AI. Mm -hmm. you know, because basically, you know, if you want to have something that physicians trust, they're not going to trust simply a score and they're not going to trust a black box. Right. Right. And so you really have to, you know, kind of pry open the black box, everything needs to be very, very transparent. And, and it has to be in kind of presented in a way that, that's understandable, not to a machine, but to a person. So you have to speak in diagnosis codes and procedures, and you have to, you know, if you fed in a lab result, and if that became relevant, then you want to surface that and, and say that. Mm -hmm. And so one of the things that, the, that uh, our platform does is in addition to making predictions, it's able to 
calculate the extent to which certain of these features or variables was relevant in making that prediction. So for you, in, if you were at risk of an adverse event, it may say that here are the top 10 factors that contributed to it, and here's the, the weight that I give to those. And it could be a combination of your age, where you live in terms of social determinants of health, mm -hmm. your lack of medication adherence, the fact that your resting heart rate has gone up, you know, and the fact that your blood pressure has been spiking over the last week. All those things, I mean, uh -huh. the doctor needs to say, hey, Kevin, what's going on? Right, yeah. And so the platforms, when they make a prediction, they automatically surface all of these variables and, and we put it in what we call a patient health forecast and can deliver that to the point of care, yeah. whether it's a clinical team or, or a physician. Okay, yeah, and I've certainly taken part in those personally. You know, the, the, uh, the risk analysis of a cardiovascular event. And, and after I got the numbers back, I just threw that in trash because I didn't want to know. Uh, but, uh, but, but yeah, the, it's a great point. It, it certainly allows you to take a good look at your overall population to, to you know, in, in, my, in my realm in, in the hospital, you know, that way I can look at, at resource allocation. I can look at, you know, across the map. I can, yeah, I use it to, to really pinpoint uh, various geographic uh, areas within our catchment area to, for potentially, you know, to put a new clinic, you know, right. things like that. Yeah. Right. So. I think, I think that um, we've talked a lot about some of the clinical applications, but, but I think that there are other areas in value-based care where healthcare organizations should be applying AI. And mm -hmm. one of them is on operational efficiency. Yeah. You know, um, yeah. healthcare is is different um, in the sense that it we have a very you know the patient it's a very volatile demand you know um, and very complex patients with very different needs and when you start looking at the resources that are getting applied you know these are very specialized resources mm -hmm. that you can't necessarily just kind of pick up and move um, some of them are very expensive you know or they're very specialized if it's a, an actual position or a skill set. You know, um, and so it's really a trying to match supply and demand, mm -hmm. and AI can help you do that. And so I would say healthcare is behind in terms of applying AI to some of those operational, you know, efficiencies and opportunities. But um, you know, time's running out. The margins are getting very, very thin. Yeah. Um, revenues are dropping. You know, and and so the the traditional fee for service model just isn't going to survive. And so mm -hmm. the question isn't whether you know, value-based care will come. I think the question is, is how can healthcare organizations survive the transition, you know, as in those kind of turbulent, you know, changes from one model to another. And, and I would say that they should run that walk, you know, to the nearest organization to say, if how can you harness AI to help you, you know, accelerate you through that transition mm -hmm. over to the other side? Yeah, yeah, and, and, what obviously AI is here to stay. Yeah, right. you, you, you know, it, it's proven its worth <clears throat> throughout throughout the continuum. But there's still a lot of people who are just, you know, I'll say it, they're afraid of it. Right. You know, what are, what do you hear? What are, what are some of the what's some of the pushback you hear from from people who choose not to use use your services? Well, honestly, the people that we talk to are incredibly enthusiastic. Okay. So, I mean, they really are. Um, now, hmm. it could be that, you know, my sample is biased, you know, because we don't spend a lot of time talking with people that, that aren't interested. Sure. But, 
but I will say, you know, there have just been some, some just wonderful, wonderfully enthusiastic, you know, uh, physicians giving us feedback. There was one physician in looking at these new patient health forecasts. He said, you know, this could actually make physicians fall back in love with medicine again. Mm-hmm. Which, I mean, that's a powerful statement, right? Yeah. Um, but what I would say, you know, for, for companies that are reluctant, because I don't want to say that that isn't there, um, I think that I would press, impress upon them that, A, they should insist on transparency and explainable AI. They should never buy. I think a lot of people have been trying to sell the, these kind of black boxes, and they should, they should never put up with that. So I think that, that you know, um, the bar is getting raised on having explainable AI. The mm-hmm. other thing I would do is walk down to the CFO, you know, and um, and talk with them about just the urgency that they have, not just to, to get over to the other side of value-based care, but but there's there's a, an idea that's been expressed and it's it's called the new moats. And when you think about, you know, kind of how you can compete and create, you know, kind of barriers against your competition. Mm-hmm. The ability to use these AI systems to build kind of a system of intelligence, you know, and the intelligence that you build about your patients and about what they need and about who your competitors are and what services work for whom and in what context, it's the ability to use the data, Mm -hmm. right, that is becoming the new competitive differentiator. And so I think it's not just to survive, but literally to thrive, you know, in healthcare that that these AI systems, if we can, if we can resolve some of our discomfort um, and kind of move into kind of a, a more of a, an enthusiastic, you know, embrace, you know, I think it's really going to be wonderful what we see come out. Yeah, I would agree with that. You know, uh, I, I'm, I'm immersed in data all the time and, and trying, and, and as you said, sometimes it just gets overwhelming. You know, we uh, we we have so much we have so much access to so much data. You know, you kind of get caught up by you know in paralysis by analysis, frankly. And you know, I've been looking at one spreadsheet now for about a week, uh, and trying to slice, dice, cut. You know, in my, and rationalize in my head. Okay, where do we need to go? Uh, right. And so so you know, now you're telling me I could give this to you, and and you could spit something out to me, and you know. 30 minutes. Yeah. If that's the case, I'm on my way to see you. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds great. Yeah. So, so Carol, any final words? Um, I guess what I, I would, uh, I would think back to what, what Dave and Andrew and I talked about after the CMS challenge. And there were a lot of people who were, you know, very happy for the things that we'd accomplished and, mm-hmm. and, and we were too, we were incredibly proud um, of the work that we did and the partnerships um, that, that helped us along the way. But I think we also realized that we're at the beginning of something. Sure. And, and so I think for me, when I look at the opportunities and the things that become possible, right? When we harness these technologies, mm-hmm. you know, artificial intelligence is in a way it's kind of a misnomer because we're not making decisions. The decisions still rest within the hands of, of experts and clinicians. Mm-hmm. What we do is that we make it easier for them to do the things that they join the profession for. Right. And, and so for us, we're incredibly passionate and you know, just really looking forward to working with professionals that are as equally ready to do those things as we are to be a part of them. 
and, and to see the kind of change that we can bring to the world, so. That's great. I mean, it sounds like, you know, obviously you're passionate about what you do, but, but it's got to be, as you said, incredibly exciting to be in, on the forefront of something that is going to make a radical change in our industry. So congratulations for that. Right. Yeah, thank you. Well, we've come to another end of I Don't Care with me, Kevin Stevenson. Carol McCall, thanks so much for being with us. Uh, you know, Carol, uh, Chief Health Analytics Officer at CloseLoop.ai. And, and like I said, Carol, you make me feel a lot better about myself because I really did know what AI was. I just called it something differently. So thanks for that. So. Thank you, Kevin. And I do care. Just and, I, and, you know, Carol, thank you for saying that because somebody this weekend said, what does that mean, Kevin? You don't care? I was, let me explain. And I typically, I need to do this about every two or three months. The whole point of I don't care is I'm not a clinician. You don't want me providing direct patient care. Trust me. I push a really good wheelchair. That's about my extent. But uh, anyway, that's where the name came from. So. I love it. so thank you, Carol, for reminding me of, of that. So folks, thanks again for being with us today. Uh, we're on marketscale.com every Friday. So look for us. If you missed the, uh, the live uh, broadcast, just go to Spotify or iTunes and download that. And I'll end today's broadcast like I end most of them. If you haven't uh, subscribed to I Don't Care with Kevin Stevenson, why haven't you? With that, we'll see you next week. Take care.